Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sports Day SA, Malcolm Blight and David Wildey for Tire Power. Big footy final sale on right now. Enter the Vegas competition by Ford Toyo Open Country Tires. Well, let's welcome a man that's done it all. And, uh, well, no more crows for Mark Bickley, but he would have seen all the finals on the weekend and yep. actually tipped them all, Blighty, not unlike us. Six out of six, including the Sandfall. Where are Port Adelaide? That is the $64,000 question. They've got injuries and they've got a, a rampant Giants coming to town. Bix, how are you? Yeah, good afternoon, David. Malcolm, how are you both? Going well. Bix, um, Giants, they've won on 11 or 12 different tracks this year. Amazing. They Adam Kingsley's embracing playing away, a bit like Port did during COVID. Are you a bit worried about Port Adelaide being banged up or you think they've got the the cattle to come in, win the game and advance to the next week? Yeah, look, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? It's hard not to be worried if you're a Port Adelaide fan. and One, they played a pretty good side, so let's not forget that in Brisbane and, and they're hard to beat up there. Nobody's been able to do that this year, including Collingwood and Melbourne and others. So, um, you know, that's not unusual, but it was probably more so... Some of the injuries that, that came out of it, we know that Tom Jonas got injured before he went away in the last training session, and then Trent McKenzie and Dylan Williams. Uh, there was you know, Todd Marshall just didn't quite look right, and he's played his first game back. So there's certainly some concerns there, I think, because in the area that that defensive area where they are a little bit skinny already, if you if none of those other players come up, they just yeah personnel it, it does look a bit thin. Mark, yeah, I, but. They played to get the second chance. And I think that, and you've played in finals and I've certainly coached them and played in them where that the loser of the first week doesn't necessarily just fold up, pack up the chairs and go home. In fact, I mentioned to David at the start of the show, back in 98, when you were captain of the Crows, we lost our first final to Melbourne by eight goals. Would you believe it? 48 points, exactly, exactly the same Mm. as what Port Adelaide did. And then won the next three on the road. Yep, uh, I do remember that. That <laughs> you're, you're right. Um, I, I just, I just feel like um, we probably were a little bit more sound, you, you know, physically than perhaps what Port Adelaide were. But you make a really good point, and and also I was having the discussion today with some people, you know, talking footy, and you can get seduced a little bit after the first week mm-hmm. of the finals because yep. you're looking at, at a winning side versus a losing side, and. The winning winning side always looked better, uh, but you know the there's a reason why Port Adelaide won 17 games throughout the year, and and what so often happens, you get seduced by that winning team at the end of the the first week of the finals, and then the numbers are overwhelmingly stacked in the the favour of that side that comes back. The team that finished in the top four got rolled by, you know, the first or the second team generally, and then they generally come back to their home ground and find a way to win. So. You know, I don't think, like you said, they should be packing up the, the deck chairs just yet, but they've, they've got to play a little bit better than what they did on the weekend. And they come up against a team that have got enormous belief. And you talked about that side in um, 98. And, and one of the things that we had was an enormous belief in our ability to, to run the game out and also to play the game in the way we wanted to play. And I feel like since their new coaches come in, they were I think they were 
three and six halfway mm. through the year. But since that period, they've started to understand, I think, what Adam Kingsley's trying to teach them. And they've played some really good footy. And you made the mention, David, about 11 different grounds they've won on. They've won in lots of different states. They've come from behind. They did it here against Adelaide. They came from 17 points back at three-quarter time to win. And their top-end talent right now, we know it's pretty good, but it's all in really good form, which also helps. Lottie and I spoke about Port, and I know it's a simplistic way to look at things, but how many Port players would fit into the Brisbane side? And conversely, how many Brisbane Lions players would make this current Port side? And it's overwhelmingly probably double Lions fit in the other way. Mm. Yeah, I, I, sometimes that, that, like you say, that is a simplistic point of view because I, I sometimes look at Collingwood and, and I look at some of their players and they've got some some no-name players, but when they play together and they play the right system, they, they play some really good footy. And, um, and and that's what sort of teams are all about. How do you get the best out of the group? And sometimes, you know, you didn't have to go very far to watch um, Brisbane look pretty ordinary as well. We saw Port Adelaide beat them comfortably here at home. We saw Hawthorne beat them at the MCG and really touch them up. So, you know, at different stages, they have them look great. But when they get to the Gabba, they just look fantastic. And I thought on the weekend, they just had too many options up forward. And and one of the things I felt going into that match, Port Adelaide's midfield really had to have a really good night and get the ball in their half of the ground. So you could give your, your defence a bit of a chop out by not having so much ball up there. But you just felt if it was going to be up there fairly often, that blokes like Danaher and Hipwood and... Um, Rayner and Cameron and, and McCarthy, all those guys are really good players. And you just have to deny them a little bit of the footy. And Port they weren't able to do that. And, you know, because of that, it ends up in their front half a fair bit. And they do what they do. They, they ply their trade pretty well to Brisbane forwards. Yeah, they certainly do. Down the other end, of course, it just didn't look right, did it? Something not quite right with the uh, Port Adelaide forward line. I, talking to Dave off air, we're talking about, I wonder if Horatio Fantasia is the one to come back in. You know, someone... Mm. He's played three or four games back now, Burn I reckon. Burn Jones go back. back. Yeah, Burn Jones can go back. And, I mean, just to put put no X factor at all in that Port Adelaide front side. And I know Charlie only got a couple, but, gee, didn't he ignite him again, you know, in, in that third quarter? Mm. And it just it set the ball rolling. Yeah, and, and that was the interesting thing. I, I thought <clears throat> some of the tactics that Ken Hinckley came up with, you know, Burton's done a really good job again on mm. Cameron for you know, 119 out of 120 yeah. minutes almost. And and the, um, you know, the Drew on Neil, that Neil really wasn't a factor. But, Harris Andrews just, as well. <laughs> Harris Andrews, yeah. yeah. Ollie Lord performed pretty well. So if you had a set at the start, you will keep keep those three blokes pretty quiet. And, you know, some of your blokes, will, some of your better players will get a share. That, that, that should augur pretty well for you. But I just feel like sometimes it, it takes away your structure. So Drew plays on Lockie Neal and follows him around and keeps him quiet. But then... Ollie Wines now is pushed out to the wing and he just doesn't look suited to that position. Mm. And, you know, because you want to keep Butters and Rosie around there, so you're sort of mixing things up a little bit. And, and I just didn't feel like that looked great. I didn't feel like Travis Boak as the sub looked like a great idea either. You feel with Boak, he sort of just runs and runs and runs and works himself into the game and gets on the end of it a bit as the, as the sort of the heat goes out of the game. And that didn't quite work for him either. So it just, yeah, the whole thing... Whilst there were some things that worked, it just never felt they they looked really dangerous there. Like you said, Marshall was spasmodic, but his kicking was off. Uh, Pal Pepper wasn't quite his sort of explosive self, and they yeah they just really worried or they struggled to to worry the defence of the Brisbane Lions. 
Did indeed. Now, Finlayson, the ruck work, Lysett back in, mm. looked a bit underdone. I mean, he tried his guts out. Finlayson just, you know, that good form he had with being that first ruckman for a little while, but second ruckman forward, he just looks out of sorts. I, I, I was talking to David again before we came on air, and I just said, I wonder if he might be the one that goes back. I reckon I saw him mm. play back for GWS some time ago. It's interesting, this, Malcolm, because I, at the start of the year, I just wondered where he was going to fit in. This was before Giorgiardi's got injured. And I was sort of thinking, as a as a longevity point of view, if, if they were short on defenders, if you had you know, Charlie Dixon fitting well and you had um, Giorgiardi's and Marshall and, you know, and, and Lysette as the ruckman who could you know, go forward, where would they find a spot for Finn Mason? That was sort of my early on thinking, but... As it turned out, he became a pretty handy forward, and he, he just kicked some goals. He's had a bit of bit of the yips in front of goal in, in recent times, but that's absolutely an option because I think they're going to be really skinny down back, and just depending on what the Giants look like, they they're not a super tall forward line either. So you know they might be able to get away with having Alier and Burton and you know to play on Riccardi potentially, but um, yeah, they, they might be able to get away with it. But it might be something they look at, and I think what's happened with Finlayson is. I reckon early on, he just caught people by surprise. They weren't sure, is he going to jump? Is he not going to jump? Is he going to read it off my hand? Yeah. Or is he or is he going to sort of feign and, and you know do lots of things around the ground? But what happens now is when he comes in, McInerney just says, well, you know what? Whether he jumps or not, <laughs> and if he does jump and I jump, I'm still going to win it. I'm going to thump this 30 yeah. or 40 metres. And, and then if he doesn't jump, you can put it right down the throat of one of your midfielders. He's lost that surprise factor. And so... He probably, I would think, if he has to go back in there again, he's got to jump a bit more honestly for a few jumps before he starts to wheel out the one where you don't jump and maybe read it off the yeah. hands. That that surprise factor's gone, and now every club has got a got a a, um, a contingency plan. When he comes in, this is what we're going to do, and and they all know what to do, and they're not surprised by it. So, yeah, that that's probably hurt Port Adelaide the last couple of weeks. When you look at the year, they've had a Bit of a wretched run. George Artis misses the whole year. Dixon's been out for most of the year. Marshall's had weeks out with concussion. Mackenzie's had two lots of uh, being out for a while. So too is Lysette. It's incredible, Bex. And uh, does it take its toll though? When you know when players miss clumps of games, sure you get back for the final. Like if Dixon, they're going to be nowhere near ready though to a pace of a final. Mm. Yeah, look, depending on when the injuries happen and whether you can get some continuity. Like, I look at Max Gorn, and Max Gorn missed probably six or seven weeks mm. with a medial strain, you know, perhaps, say, from round six to 14. Then he comes back in, he's in good form. I like the fact that he's only played 14 or 15 games. You know, like, sometimes those big ruckmen, rucking for 90% of the game time, and, and by the end of the year, they look a bit puffed out sometimes. I reckon that happened to Sam Jacobs a few times with Adelaide. So it depends on whether you get that. If it's a big clump of games and then you come back in and you have that continuity, the issue with Dixon's been he's been in and out and in and out. And similarly with, uh, uh, you know, remember Jonas early in the year, he was in and then he got injured, then he went out, then he came back in and played well, then got suspended, then he was out. You know, so Boak's been the sub a couple of times, so he hasn't had a real lot of continuity. And so there's a number of those guys that have just struggled to to sort of lay games together. Lockie Jones was a bit like that for a little while. Now he's starting to sort of get that continuity back. So, yeah, I don't mind the fact if, if you miss some games because it can sort of reduce the toll on your body, but at the same time, you still want to be in good form and often form is related to that sort of continuity and playing week in, week out and playing good footy. Yeah, no, the, the three youngsters, I call them youngsters, uh, Houston, Rosie and Butters, all the All-Australians, 
all had 27, 28 and 29 respectively, more than anyone else. McCluggage was obviously very good for Brisbane. So I, I thought those three actually contributed. The thing that interests me is I think I'm right. I heard one of the commentators say, I think Brisbane got 13 goals from stoppage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... You know, so they're still. I, I find them. They're still very young. That that those three that I mentioned. You can put in Horn Francis there as well. They're still yep. learning their way at the Gabba. The, the Brisbane team's been doing this for four or five years now, hasn't it? You know, being mm. knocking on the door. Port Adelaide hasn't had that consistency in finals. I just wonder whether those youngsters still wanted to play. Let, let's get the footy. Let's get the footy. Not knowing mm. when to actually. Maps, perhaps we need to control someone around here from a stoppage. You know, I just wonder if there's yeah. a bit of learning out of all that for them. Oh, I, I think that's a really astute point that you make there. And, and, you know, particularly having the ball come out the front of the stoppage, you know, it's yeah. kind of bounce when a couple of times they're just running out. And that, you know, the one that Cameron got the second time, that was a real, that was another goal within 30 yeah. seconds of the one before because it just came straight out the front. And, and it's a bit of a dual edged sword because. If you're a team that runs and tries to get the ball on the go yourself, then, you know, there's an element of risk in that, isn't there? You know, you've got yeah. to actually take off early and you've got to be on the move. And if it's an inch behind you or a foot behind you, then, then you're out of it and you're past the contest. So you've got to have that sort of those systems and processes in place where someone is providing some sort of cover for you if it, if it doesn't work out that way. And if you've got, you know, three blokes are all sort of that style of player that yeah. get on the move and get on the go, then yeah, you can get caught out. But... Yeah, it's a, you know, it is, it's one of those ones that, you know, there's a bit of learning in that for sure. But as we said, you know, the Collingwood would have been up there, haven't been able to do it. Melbourne went up there. But lots of teams, you know, when Essendon were going pretty well, they went up there and they weren't able to make an impact. So, yeah, plenty of teams have gone up there with, you know, feeling good about themselves but haven't been able to get it done. So it's really now, can they regroup? Can they, um, can, can, can Hinkley reinstill the confidence or the, the competition, that was probably the thing that in my head that sticks from the, the loss we had against Melbourne. Yeah. We, we weren't as competitive as what we needed to be. So I know you were pretty hard on that, Malcolm, and we did a fair bit of competitive work that, that next week and we came out against Sydney and were super competitive. So I just wonder what tactic it is that Ken Hinckley will take to try and sort of reset the team. Ironically, Crows almost beat Brisbane, went down by six points, perhaps. Yeah. Um, Beaumont Tiles giving away a trip for two to America's footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. Mark Bickley, I guess. Bix, I want to play a grab. Um, Johnny Platten, the great John Platten, you would have played against and within state games. Um, he's had a lot of concussion issues. He was on Spotlight on Channel 7 last night. You can tell that he's in a little bit of trouble, and I actually showed his brain and where it's going, and and the future down the track. I just want to play a grab. Have a listen to this. It was pretty tough because it was a, a pretty special time for for the other blokes. And for me, I cannot remember it. So that, that whole 1989 grand final isn't there anymore? Mm-hmm. No. I can't remember even going up and getting my medal. I can't remember even running around the ground. You know, I think I was on Jason Dunstall's shoulders at one stage. I cannot remember that. I know Blighty's had concussions multiple. You've had them. Platts, I think, was knocked out a couple of times just about every year. Thankfully, that's, you know, they're rearranging the, the stage at the moment, getting things right. But uh, what do you make of the and, – and is there any answer, Bix, to this apart from mm. – I think they're talking about screening everybody's brain in the NRL. Everybody once a year has been a former – 
play, they'll play, uh, pay their medical costs and have a brain screening. Maybe everyone might need that. Yeah, well, yeah, and you know, I've heard players get uh, their brain screened when they start their career before they play a game at at uh, AFL level. That's but, true. Yeah. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it's it's one of these things where you can't wind the clock back. And you know, I'm sure Malcolm will tell you. And I was played in an era where concussion just wasn't taken as seriously as what it should have been, and we didn't know what we didn't know. Um, it, the first instinct you always had. I can remember a couple of times getting bowled over and jumping up and not being sure where I was. And the trainer would come out and just say, he'd say, you're right. And you say, yeah, 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 I'm all good, all yeah. good. And it was just the way you went. And it, that was, it was just this sort of footy um, folklore, this bravado that you had that you didn't want to go off the ground. You didn't want to let your teammates down, that you just sort of shake it off. But we know now that, that some of those, you know, or the repetitive head knocks can be can be absolutely detrimental to to your future health and, and brain health. And that's, you know, what John is uh, experiencing at the moment. And, it, and, it, and it's sad to, to think that, you know, he's got those, the issues with the memory loss and all the other stuff that goes along with it, um, you know, and, and, you know, who could forget the the great Danny Foley and what a great person he was and, and how it impacted his life. Yeah. So, and, and he's not alone, there's, there's others as well. So it's just something that the awareness has to, improve and you know i've got boys who play footy and 11 and 14 and you've and and particularly at that age some kids are really big and some are really little and when they get picked up and slung into the ground you just you hold your breath because it's it is uh quite scary to think that if they you know get hit on land on their head and they get a brain injury at that age it's sort of it, it starts that concussion sort of journey and, and you know for, as parents, nobody wants to see their child sort of go through concussions for, the, for their whole career. So it is something that is certainly front of mind for for everyone and, and certainly for the game itself. It's the biggest challenge facing facing our game, without a doubt. So how we navigate that, part of it is the rules, and we're seeing a bit of that at the moment about how they, they change the rules and, and um, make sure that we try and protect the head as much as we can, but it's just our game is such a a grey area with all those rules and we're going to see that sort of play out at the tribunal with, with Braden Maynard, I'm sure. So, I, look, I don't have an answer and I'm not sure anyone has an answer, really. I just hope maybe technology, somehow technology might be the answer where you can uh, measure the impacts or you can get some sort of uh, very quick, whether it's a scan of a pupil that tells a player if he's concussed or not, you can do that quickly on the bench to be able to get some sort of conclusive Evidence. So there, there are lots of things that are being trialled and researched at the moment. And hopefully, out of all of that, something will come that will give us some some certainty around diagnosis. And then also, uh, how do we tell if the brain's properly recovered before we send players sort of yeah. back out on the field one week, two weeks, three weeks time? Yeah. Um, just back to John Platten. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a number of them too, and I can tell you, I, I couldn't remember anything. So it's not unusual that. And I didn't, mm. you know, I was at the game in the 1980 grand final in the opposition coaching spent, and it was a tough game. It was one of those games where a few yeah. of them were really badly hurt. Uh, just, just in closing, mm. Mark, just on Braden Maynard and Angus Brankshaw, I mean, you've you've watched a lot of footy. Do you think it's a reportable offence, him jumping up the air, trying to smother and accidentally hit him in the chin of a chin that's been hit a few times and he's had his lot's share of concussions as well. Where, where do you see that if you're on the tribunal tonight? 
for tomorrow? Oh, it's such a hard one. I'm sort of agonised over this because, you know, exactly what we're talking about um, in regards to trying to create some form of of um, rule that that tries to remove the or dis- disincentivise the the opportunities for players to to smash into each other and. Look, I played a little bit on the edge and um, and ran into a lot of blokes at mm. you know, different styles. And what you end up sort of doing is you, you end up becoming or looking like a really clumsy bloke that clumsily runs into blokes and tries to hurt them a lot. And and I've been in that situation where if you're running flat out and you run and you jump up in the air, you, you know that there's a fair chance that you're going to carry forward and there's a fair chance you're going to run into someone. And And I don't think for a second that, Braden Maynard wanted to knock out um, Angus Brayshaw. Yeah, I don't think for a second that he had any intention of um, of you know really inflicting what happened to him. But I think what happens when you run flat out and you jump in the air and the bloke's kicking it and you're on the same line, there is a there's there's a understanding that guess what I'm I'm actually going to make contact with him here and so. I think that's going to be that's graded as careless because if you run and jump in the air and once you're in the air you can't change direction. The guy who's kicking the ball is in a really vulnerable spot. He's got his head down and he's kicking it. There's going to be a real chance that you're going to crash into him. So I think you take your chances then. And if you bounce off him or if he rolls to one side and he gets you know your shoulder hits his shoulder and he bounces back up, that's fine. But if like happens on the weekend that you collect him in the head and he gets knocked out, then I think that's when you find yourself in trouble. It's a bit like when you choose to bump. Yeah. If you choose to bump and you get it wrong, it's careless and you, and the outcome, which is someone gets knocked out, ends up going against you. I think the outcome of this is going to is going to go against Braden Maynard. So, okay. but once again, I've got no certainty in that. I, I've agon- like I said, I, no one wants to see players suspended for trying to smother the ball and trying to be, you know, do something that's good for the team. But at the same time, I still feel like if you run flat out and jump in the air, that's a little bit careless. And Mm. there's a chance that you're going to inflict a pretty serious injury on someone. Maybe just the one in 10, but this was the one in 10. And the one in 10, we've got to try and send a message and say that's that's probably not where we want our game to be. I hope he gets off. As I said, you're trying to spoil the ball. Well done, Bix, as always, mate. Um, uh, yeah, and we'll speak with you, no doubt, uh, throughout the season or after season. Great fun. Thanks, guys. Mark Bickley there.